Hey, y'all, it's Yolanda from Yes Girl Podcast, and I have a very special guest here today. We're going to get a little nam okay, and a little, girl, what's wrong with you? So we're going to mix all that with our beloved Yanla. We talked about the new season of her show, and she has a new book out. But she also read us as the black community about our issues with struggle. She's like she hates that phrase, the struggle is real, and how we cling on to struggle. So listen in and let me know what you think. But I think you'll enjoy this one. Sage, I'm alone today. But... Dear listener, we're going to go on a beautiful spiritual ride with author, TV host, minister, healer, spiritual guide, and everybody's favorite no-nonsense, tell it like it is, but still let you hug it out, auntie. <laughs> it's Ayanla Van Zandt. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am I know. Good. How did I get? Well, you know, I guess auntie is better than grandma. Well, you're not my grandma. You're like the auntie, auntie that I need when I'm doing wrong and you need to set me straight. Or when you're trying to get away from your mother, you come to my house. Because yes. I'll let you drink beer and smoke. <laughs> you're, the auntie, you're the auntie who would let me pierce my nose. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm absolute. And I want you to drink beer and smoke in my house so that you don't have to do it out in the street. I can keep an eye on you. So, yes, pierce your nose, your belly. <laughs> Drink the beer and smoke the cigarettes in my in house. In my house. Okay, and then, because I'm going to let you know, if I catch you outside, I'm going to break it. <laughs> and then go to your mama's house. And then and take, no, I'm going to take you to your mama and say she was outside smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it. So we are here to talk about season five of Yanla, Fix My Life yep. on OWN. Yes. Which you're the executive producer and TV host. Yeah. But also you've got a phenomenal new book out called Get Over It. Yeah. Thought Therapy for Healing the Hard Stuff. Yeah. which is available everywhere, audiobooks, and anywhere you buy your books. But also, you're about to go on a tour, a speaking yeah. tour. So you have a lot going on, as usual. That's not even half of it. Oh, my goodness. Trying to find my underwear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was looking for some shoes to come up here, and I, they were in a suitcase I hadn't unpacked from December. And wow. I couldn't find the shoes, so I bought another pair. Wow. <laughs> it's, about, it's rough. So, from where I come from, I would never call you Ianla. No, never. Never. No. What What should I call you? Mama Ianla or Iyanla. Auntie. Yeah. Auntie. But usually, everybody usually calls me Mama Ianla or Mama Ia. That's what they say. And I say, you, Mama Ia, that's like saying Mother Mother. Yeah. Because Ia means mother. Yes. And yes. Uh, But that's okay. Yeah. I, they usually call me Mama Ianla Mama or Mama. Iyanla. Yeah. You know, because once you, that's just You've, a title you... of honor. Also, yeah. you have, I mean, my God, accomplished so much, and you've done so much for the community, and, you know, there's a certain, you know, there's some aunties that I'm like, okay, that's just Pam. Right. So she's like 85, <laughs> but you are not Pam. <laughs> you are Mama Ianla at this point. You know, I do want to talk about, a lot of people, um, I was doing some research for, for this interview, and I was like, I never knew what Ianla meant. Yeah. Great mother. Great mother. Yeah. And you were you were given that name when you were ordained. Yes. A, you're a yeah. priestess. Yes. Yes. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Well, you know, my matriarchal lineage is from the are the Yareba people from Dahomey. And um, when they came to when they were brought into I guess the US or into the Caribbean actually, where they were um, enslaved, the 
European tongue couldn't say Yariba, mm-hmm. so they said Yoruba. <laughs> really? Yeah. And and also these were they because they were in parts of the Caribbean, they were able to hold on to parts of their culture and continue to practice their spiritual um, traditions. So my mother, my matriarchal lineage is from Dahomey. Um, so I was raised a Yoruba. I didn't pick it up online. <laughs> you didn't go to the Google. No, I didn't go How to, to Google. How to be Yoruba. How, right. No, I did not. <laughs> I wasn't initiated until I was older, but I was raised a Yoruba. And really it's just a, a spiritual philosophy of a traditional African people. That's on my matriarchal side. My father's side is Chisleki or Cherokee. Um, my grandmother was born on the reservation in South Carolina. They migrated up to Virginia. So I was raised in a very dysfunctional but cultural <laughs> environment. Mm-hmm. So I was always really taught to honor um, my cultural lineage. Although my mother, my grandmother migrated into the Pentecostal faith, she still practiced her spiritual culture at home. She Mm -hmm. just didn't let the people in church know she was doing it. So, um, and when you're in traditional cultures, Mm -hmm. (laughs) names are very important. You know, we don't get a book and we don't throw two coins in the air and name somebody Mm -hmm. the sound of the coins hitting the ground. And so um, names are very important. So when I was initiated, when I moved away from and moved back to my matriarchal and patriarchal cultural lineage, and I was initiated as a Yoruba priestess because that's my destiny, that is my purpose. Um, You get a new name. Anytime you go through a traditional or cultural initiation, they will change your name, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you're a nun, a priest, a bishop, you get a new name. So that's what they did. They changed my name because my nature changed, and your name is your nature. You know, when you call the name, you are educating that soul as to who it is and what it's to do. So when I was initiated, I my nature changed, so my name had to change. Now tell me about just going back to that moment when your nature changed. You were a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> at that point, I believe you had your children. Oh, yeah. You were, I had, you I've always had children. Oh, I've always <laughs> had children <laughs> since I was born. <laughs> I still have children. (laughs) And just to relate it back to anyone who might be listening and ready to make a drastic change in their lives, what was the the courage that it took for you to say, you know what, I'm going to walk this path. And I'm sure there are many people around you who will say, why why you got to do that? You know, so how did you talk to us about the courage that it took for you to do that? Well, you know, it was for me, it wasn't courage because I should have been initiated when I was nine according to um, the path that was laid out before me. But my father was against it, so um, it it wasn't done. And I always remembered that, and I knew that. So as I got older and my life began to disintegrate (laughs) before my very eyes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I said, wait a minute, hold up. This is not turning out well for me. (laughs) Let me go back to see if there's something in the history or the culture or something because what I'm creating here is a mess. So when I did go to the elders and sat with them, they said, you know, you, you're, missing, you're, you're off course. So you have to be initiated. 
And because I had moved away, I was in it as a child but had moved away, I really didn't understand what it was, but I was in enough pain. I was in enough pain that I was willing to do anything mm-hmm. and just happened that I did something good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And talk about doing good. I mean, Yanla fixed my life. Yeah. My God. We have seen so much. <laughs> you have seen so much. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Oh, oh, you haven't seen half of it, okay? You see 48 minutes of three days. Oh, my God. There's so much you haven't seen. Wow. Tell me about, you know, the next season. I know that the first episode I read is Kamiya Mobley. Is it Kamiya or Kamaya? Kamaya. Kamaya Mobley, who's a young woman who was kidnapped. Abducted. Abducted. Yes. Sorry. She was abducted by uh, a woman um, who raised her as her daughter. Yes. And so she found out about two, three years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago that that was not her mother. Yes. And so you come in to do what? Well, she, let me just be real clear. She came to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Her mother, because her her mother, her birth mother and her birth father, of course, are just meeting her. And they had some upset because she still is in relationship with the woman who abducted her. Of course, that's her mommy. Mm-hmm. That's who raised her. That's who she knows. So initially, that's what we were doing. But at the last minute, her mother, her natural mother, decided not to come. So we went forward to do the show with her father and her stepmother, uh, which was okay. The thing is that she um, she was, my my sense of it was is that she had just numbed out, flatlined, kind of emotionally, uh, and wasn't really able to navigate the mother, the, the stepmother, the mother, her mommy being in prison, and she mm. can't really mourn it around her natural parent. I mean, this is really. It's a lot. Yeah. And uh, I just knew, I said, mm, this, she's getting ready. She's a ticking time bomb. Wow. Because she's 19. She's a baby. Yeah. She don't know how to navigate that stuff. And then the, the other part of it is that she was raised in a lie. Her entire life is a lie that's being exposed publicly on the news. This is a problem. Yeah. And the natural birth parents don't know what to do other than to be happy to see her and to coddle her and stuff like that. So we um, did some work together that eventually proved that she really wasn't ready for it. And it was okay, you know. But at least we now know that she really can feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she mm-hmm. does have emotion. Mm-hmm. Did she now have to... Obviously, she's had to leave her mommy because her mommy is behind bars. Yes. And she has to live with her natural birth parents. No. No. You know, she's 19. So I I think she's with the the mother who raised her, her parents. Got it. That she knows as her grandparents. grandparents, Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. My God. And uh, shuttling back and forth between them and her birth father. Uh, her natural father, which is a lot for a 19-year-old. You know, most 19-year-olds want to drink beer and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Get their nose pierced. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm you know, and, you know she's, she's, look at what she's navigating. Yeah. This It's insane. And not in therapy, not receiving any kind of counseling. And everybody is treating her, you know, like she's a 
egg getting ready to break because they just don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm sorry her mom didn't come because I really wanted to work with them. Mm -hmm. They've got to understand she's going to be in relationship with that woman, um, even though they have upset with her. She doesn't mm -hmm. uh, because she knew for two years that th she had been abducted and didn't speak to it, mm -hmm. didn't, didn't reveal it to anybody. Um, and we brought in, I don't know if you remember Carlina White. Her story was on Lifetime, same thing. She was abducted right at birth and found out when she was about 20 mm. that her, the woman who raised her wasn't her mother. So we had support there for her, but she didn't stay that long. Oh, wow. I can imagine, you know, after five seasons that you, this work does take a toll on you, obviously the people that you're healing, how do you approach each situation? Like, how do you, um, not it, a toll, maybe the toll is not a negative yeah. word, but it's a lot to absorb. No, I don't absorb You don't absorb it. it. No, no, hmm. no. I'm on purpose, and I'm very clear. Of myself, I can do nothing. But the Spirit of God within me does the work. All I have to do is know who the people are and what, I'm, what my assignment is. So we go into every show with an intention, an intention you know, based on what it is that the person wants to accomplish. We go into each show prayerfully. I have two coaches that I work with. We prepare the environment. The guests don't have to see that, you know, but uh, it's all. All I do is listen, and I've been trained how to hear. I hear, and I've said it, and people laugh. I say, I hear with my hair. I hear with my eyes. I hear with my nipples. I hear with my skin. I hear with my fingernails. I hear what they're saying. My total job is the guests tell me what they want, and what I'm listening for is what stands between them and it. And once I identify what stands between them and what they want, I reveal it to them, which ain't always pretty. I reveal it to them and then give them some tools or tips or steps to get to where they want to be. If they get there, that's on them. I've done my job. I'm identifying what stands between you and what you say you want. So there's nothing for me to absorb. There's nothing for me to take on. There's nothing for me to do except listen. Wow. All I do, you know, after the five seasons. Not on my watch. Oh, yeah. Not on my watch. Yeah. <laughs> that and has blazing become with Jesus. an iconic uh, yeah, phrase. Mean. Yeah, I know. And gutter snipe. Did gutter you see snipe. Proud Mary with... with um, Taraji. Yes. Taraji. She, she <laughs> the used the gutter snipe in there. And people didn't it. even know what it was. You know, my mom used to say that yeah. all the time. Look at the gutter snipes. <laughs> wow. I love it. What are some of the most memorable episodes to you? Or sessions? or? I think, of course, Miss Bonnie, the 600-pound woman who hadn't mm -hmm. seen the sun in five years. Absolutely uh, amazing to me to be able to support her in that way. She passed away last year, too. Mm. Um, so that to me is, and my first show, my very first show that probably nobody remembers with Miss Brenda, and I don't remember her daughter's name, but the daughter had a learning disability as an adult and then had never been diagnosed. And so they were just, you know, upset with her behavior and her manner and everything. But it was because she lived her life trying to cover and compensate for the fact that she felt intellectually deficient. And nobody ever knew that. And we, I went to their house in Kentucky, and then we brought them into the studio. So that was a memorable show for me. Um, 
the houses of healing to me mm-hmm. were just uh, the work that was done. And again, I'm with these people three, four days, two, three, four days. You see 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. But the work that we were able to do, both in the men's house and the women's house, and the incarcerated men, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, my prize student, Evelyn Lozada, mm. uh, who went on to really do some good stuff. I'm really, really happy for her. Um, those are the ones that come to mind. But it's it's been, you know, because I look at the issue and not the person. I do public people on the show because, A, if I were just doing Shaquita Jackson out the projects nobody would watch mm-hmm. but because I'll in this <laughs> but in this society <laughs> we think that you know if you get to a certain status and you have a certain amount of money and you have that everything's going to be all right and I do public people to level a playing field mm-hmm. I want the viewers to know we, they're people mm-hmm. and we all have stuff that we go through and if you can identify with this stuff with this person, then you can get it cleaned up in your You can get over it, if you will, in your own life. Yeah. I love how authentic you are on the show. But one of my favorite things that you do is that purse. Always- <laughs> Trixie. <laughs> always That's my bag purse. of tricks. My bag of tricks. I retired Trixie. She's not in this season. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, Trixie. That was Trixie, my bag of tricks. Here I come with my little bag of tricks. <laughs> I love that bag. But, you know, you just said the phrase get over it yeah. there's also a book that came out January 30th yeah. um, your book called I'm going to say the title again Get, get over, over it. it Thought Therapy for Healing the Heart Stuff yeah um, you know why one of the things that I've learned on uh, doing the work on Fix My Life is how badly people are suffering I mean you know stuck in stuff that seems so insurmountable that really if we could just identify what you do that keeps you from getting what mm-hmm. you want um, it would be so much easier. But I've also un- recognized, and I talk about this all the time on Fix My Life, pathologies, how stuff is passed on from one generation to the other. And sometimes people are besieged and enslaved by emotional and psychological things that they've inherited. They, it ain't even theirs. They marinated in it in the womb. Mm. You know, they inhaled it in their environment. So Get Over It really started... With the when people were so upset about the recent election, mm-hmm. and um, and then people were upset that the people were upset. <laughs> it was just a lot of upset, <laughs> you know. And the number of things that it raised for people: the fear, the anger, the complacency, and what it really did was trigger up a lot of people's pathologies. And I said, we got to get over this. We really do. And for me, the easiest thing to do is to use your mind. We, we are not no longer trained in this society how to use our minds. We don't have to remember a phone number. We don't have to write down directions. We don't have to spell. You don't have to spell. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. So, therefore, we are no longer conscious of, in touch with, aware of our thoughts. Because people ain't thinking. You know, you're looking at the video and they're translating the song for you. I remember how when growing up, I used to have to dance to my own music and act like I was the Supremes and stuff. (laughs) And I had to remember the words, you know. (laughs) 
So You didn't go to Google. <laughs> no, I did not go to Google and look up the lyrics. So we're not thinking anymore. So get over it. It's thought therapy for healing the hard stuff. Because so much of the things that people are stuck in, that they repeat over and over. Again, they inherited it. It's unconscious. They don't know it's there. And the dominant negative thought patterns that we have. So what I offer people in this book, you know, that I don't know what they're looking for, is prayer and affirmation. Because every word, thought you think creates. So if the bad thoughts have created dysfunction, let's put some good stuff in there. And we call it affirmative prayer and affirmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's also work on your part, too. I mean, they have the to do the work because the work. I've identified the 42 dominant negative thought patterns that destroy people's lives. I mean, I've listened over 30 years, and I've identified 42 dominant negative thought patterns. I can't. They won't let me. I won't. It's hard. I'm afraid. If I, I'm thinking, you know, what's your it? Your, your, you know, your it is incomplete tasks. That's a it. <laughs> okay. Your it is, you know, inappropriate timing. That's a it. And these are the things that people get stuck in because of the way they think. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask you, you know, because of the work you do, wh- what is it about us just as human nature um, where we do get stuck in the negative thought patterns and we, us, it's easier? When you say us, who you mean? I mean, many people of, of color. People of color? No, I just think human nature, which is why we need books like this. No, it's not. We, as people of color, you we think? have a whole nother stuckness. Yeah. Because it's not okay for us to be stuck. First of all, we have a cellular memory of struggle. Black people ain't happy if they ain't struggling with something. I'm telling you, they got to to be struggling with something. Something got to be. I don't care. You could have the best marriage and the best job, but then you got a jacked up family. Or, you know, you ain't got no job and the family's trying to help you. It's the most, you know, I just have to tell the truth because I'm auntie, I'm old, then they're going to love me anyway. Okay. We are not happy if we ain't got some struggle. People are saying that the struggle is real. No, it ain't. It's in your mind. (laughs) The struggle is not real, boo. It's not. It's how you keep yourself occupied and preoccupied so you don't have to be responsible for your greatness. Because as long as you're struggling and, and dealing with stuff that's beneath you, you don't have to take responsibility for your genius, for your greatness, for your talents, for your gifts. Because that's where the work is. Y'all ain't got me started. <laughs> I don't even I know how to move. Here to have a I don't even know what my next you know, question I'm just, is. I'm just, I'm just so sad. It saddens me. It saddens me. Wow. And I say this all the time. Your great, great, great grandmother laid in the bottom of a ship, chained to somebody who didn't even speak her same language. She ate slop off the side of the boat and picked cotton, squatted in a field and had her baby and had to get up and go work and maybe be raped by the master. And you falling apart because boo-boo left you after a six-week relationship. Somebody need to slap you in your eye. Lord, I never thought about that. Come on now. Never thought about that. Yes. You do touch on this in an upcoming episode yeah, of Iyama Fix My Life. Hazel E., you know, who brought to life the colorism that we experience in our community, the struggle between light and dark-skinned people that we refuse to tell the truth about, 
And Hazel E., who was uh, on the Love and Hip Hop cast, mm -hmm. said something very derogatory about dark-skinned women, mm -hmm. of which I am one, and uh, lost her job and just couldn't get it together. Anyway, we, we had this whole conversation, and I was fortunate to bring in light-skinned women, dark-skinned women, to sit and have a conversation with her and remind her that Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn and Nancy Wilson, even Gladys Knight, had to walk in the back door of certain establishments. Rosa Parks got arrested for sitting on the bus. These women were black women. Nobody cared what tone they were when they were disrespecting them. And they paved the way for you to get on the stage in a thong. Mm. Mm. And, <laughs> and you're going to call them big butt monkeys. Mm. But Wow. I digress. Okay. All right. So... We are going to hear more of this on your speaking tour, yeah, which is called Destination Brooklyn. Yeah, Destination Brooklyn. I'm taking Get Over It Home. Mm -hmm. I haven't spoken in Brooklyn in eight solo, 18 years. Well, I haven't spoken in Brooklyn in 18 years, mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't been on tour, solo tour in, in 18 years. So I'm traveling all across the country, stopping along the way until I get home to wow. Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. And bringing the idea of thought therapy and thought therapy and healing and teaching people how to do it because that's what I do. I'm a teacher. Yeah. yeah. Auntie teacher. Teacher auntie. Teacher auntie. <laughs> I do want to just quickly ask you about the idea of spiritual tools that you mentioned in the book. Yeah. And what are the spiritual tools that you 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 breath? Touch on? It's real simple. Breathing. We don't know how to breathe. Most mm. people walk around sucking their breath all the time. So breath. Eye modes, because do you know that the movement, with the movement of your eye, you can reprogram your brain? So I combine breath and eye modes, and then the spoken word. The spoken word is the most powerful thing we have. How many people out there are saying, I'm broke, and they are? <laughs> mm. I'm lonely. I don't know. Word, sound, I power. I think. Yeah. I think, I say it, I-T, that's it, get over it, get over your thinking. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm bringing those modes, and I want to teach people how to do it because I don't want them to take the book and put it on the shelf. Yeah. I hear you. I can't wait till you come to Brooklyn. <laughs> hey. Yeah. May 6th. Now, what do you do, um, as we wrap, what do you do for Mama Iyanla? How do you, when you wake up in the morning, what does Mama Yama do? Oh, when I wake up? Mm -hmm. I do my prayer and meditation. Mm -hmm. I, I do that. I really try to stay consistent with that because otherwise, you know, I was taught that when you're serving God's people, you have to stay in touch with God. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I can't be serving them what I want them to have. I got to serve what he tells me to serve them. And so I do the prayer and the meditation. And then, you know, I go make my coffee. <laughs> She drinks coffee, y'all. I do. What? <laughs> and you know what? I don't walk on water, and I can't turn it into wine. Hell, I'm just a no. I put my pantyhose on one leg at a time. And let, listen, just like all the other people in my age group, the hair under my arm turned gray. I was horrified. <laughs> I was like, ooh, what is that lint I was picking? I said, oh, God, it's gray. Nobody told me. <laughs> The hair under my arm turned gray. I didn't know. I didn't know. Did your mother tell you? <laughs> Whose mother tell? They no, don't I prepare you for those things. They tell you about a hot flash, but not that the hair. It's, you can't be sexy like that. You raise your arm and you got little white things hanging under there. Look like lint. <laughs> and her and Mama Yanla's nails are always done. done. Okay, 
Brows okay. always on point. Always done. I do. Always I done. put a little black in the nails yesterday. I'm not sure that I like it, but people call these Yamla nails. They are. <laughs> they, they call them Yamla. The I don't know how I started painting half the nail, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know, we added an added thing to uh, fix my life this season called mm-hmm. behind the fix. So when the show goes off, then you're going to be able to go to YouTube, my YouTube channel, and see behind-the-scenes things Mm -hmm. and meet the crew. It's so hysterical. Yeah. Okay? So Fix My Life is 9 to 10, and then you can come see Behind the Fix on my YouTube channel. Did you know that I I do a... Uh, R spot. Do you know about the R spot? Yes, yes, I've seen Isn't the R spot on YouTube. It is. Listen, I forgot the one episode I watched. I shared it with everybody in the office. It was around relationships and black men. And that's black all women. we do is okay. relationships. The R is for relationships. Right. Yes, for, yes, yes. Yeah. And we so that's every Tuesday we put a new one up. But and and so what I'm going to do now because people keep asking me questions, mm-hmm. and I said go to this episode. So I'm going to do worksheets. Nice. <laughs> Syllabus. So we need a syllabus. Can, because they keep asking. I said, that's episode four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go watch that. <laughs> Love it. So March 3rd, we'll all be watching Please. on OWN. And Twitter me. And Is that tweeting. what you Tweet, Tweeting. Yes. I said Twitter me. Lord, <laughs> As, I just made this. That's Instagram's cousin. <laughs> And as Mama Oprah likes to say, tweet, tweet. Yes. That's a tweet, tweet. Yes. So we'll all be tweeting okay. and watching the show with Good. you. And, and, you know, you got to have your menu mm-hmm. because I do roll call 15 minutes before the show starts and I want to know what you're eating. Mm. And please, people, have your tissues. I'm so tired of people saying they got the running. Have your tissues have right your there. Have your tissues ready. Just have your tissues and tell me what you're eating and I'll Lord. be right there with you. So now as I leave this room, I will... Spend the next probably month ruminating on the idea of that struggle. your hair is going to turn gray under. No, no. Uh, struggle. Yeah. Look at watch. I mean, really, everybody, <sighs> look at how you do that. We make everything so hard. We because it's it's a cellular memory. You know, struggling, not owning land ownership. It's not in our DNA. You know that we're bigger workers than we are owners. Uh, all of this is cellular memory, but we can reprogram it. Because we can identify those dominant negative thought patterns that I talk about and get over it. Uh, And we can reprogram it. The other thing I want to say also, this season on Fix My Life, almost every show is about family. There's a family involved in almost every single show. Meaning I'm not doing a lot of individuals like Evelyn Lozada or Terrell Owens or some of the individuals that I did. Every single show hinges on family. So I really hope people will watch because you're going to see. You're going to see. I have one uh, family of five boys, five men, they're men, who they grew up in foster care because both of their parents were addicts. Mm. And they were separated in the foster care system and found each other in the group home. That thing took me to my knees, took me to my knees. And when I said to the mother, who's about as big as a wooden spoon, how do you leave your children? She had eight children, seven mm. children, seven kids, seven boys, one girl. One is in doing life in prison. The other one is deceased. I said, how do you leave eight children? And she looked at me and she said, smoke and crack. Mm. Ugh. Wow. 
tune in March 3rd on Ooh. Only on Own and then go to Behind the Scenes on the Yanla Van Zandt YouTube channel and then watch the R Spot every Tuesday at 2 o'clock and then get your copy of Get Over It on yes. Amazon and wherever. Let's take this book to the list. Then come see me in one of the 14 cities. Let me tell you oh, where we're I'm ready. coming. I'm coming to Akron, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, Milwaukee, Chi-Town, Newark, New Jersey. I want to give a shout-out to my brothers and sisters in Newark. That theater is almost sold out, mm -hmm. and I'm not getting there till April. Boston, they're a little slow. I guess it's cold. Now that it's getting warm, they'll come get their tickets. They're not taking me into Philly proper. I'm going to Glenside. It doesn't matter. Come anyway. And then, oh, I'm in, I didn't even know I was in two places in Philadelphia. Okay, anyway, Westbury, New York, no clue where that is. Where the hell Long is Island. Is that in Long Island? Mm -hmm. Why am I going there? L.A., Riverside, California, I'll be there. Oakland, yes, going home to Oakland, Seattle, Atlanta, D.C., be more, and I'll be home in Brooklyn for the first time in 18 years on May 6th. Wow. Yes. Wow. Exciting. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love and, having me. and also, don't forget, if you're over 60, that the hair under your arms <laughs> is going to turn gray. It's, I'm going to put it in my calendar. Okay, put it in your calendar. <laughs> 60, start checking it. Because if it don't turn gray, it falls out. That's the other thing. It just kind of disappears. That hair and other hairs. But we will not have that. That'll be the next. That'll be the next episode. Yeah, Auntie Yala will teach you about where your hair gonna fall out. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and Wonderful. thank you, family. I want to say hey to all my soros, my AKA soros, and my Delta sisters. Hey. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to our guest Iyanla Van Zandt. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with Lena Waithe, Tiffany Haddish, and Nisi Nash. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. On Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. Thanks to producer Steven Silos, audio engineer Chiquita Pascal, and gold standard creative for our music. We'll see you next week, beloved.